Well, welcome to you, wherever you are at, whomever you are with. We are so very glad that you are here with us for these few moments. And I do want to mention to you, if you haven't discovered yet, the U version. It is a great uh, application that has just about every translation of the Bible you could imagine. It has reading plans, you can search by topics, and it has a complete set of notes for our message this morning. When you get that uh, downloaded on your phone or your device, lower right-hand corner, hit the drop-down menu, uh, search in events for Arlington FM Church, and there you'll find uh, notes for this message. Well, uh, this weekend we come to the exciting conclusion uh, of our series, Almost Happy. And uh, we are looking at the uh, plan and the purpose that Jesus himself promised that he came. He came that we might have life and have it abundantly. He taught uh, so that we could experience the joy that he had, that we would have his joy in ourselves, and that joy, he said, would be made full. It wouldn't be lacking. It wouldn't be almost uh, joyful. It would be complete and overflowing. In fact, Peter, one of the spokespersons for the early followers of Christ, would write this in one of his letters just a few years later, uh, though you've not seen him, speaking of Jesus, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. And see, that's God's intention for us, that though we've never seen Christ, uh, we love him and we believe in him and he's so real in our lives that literally, uh, we are filled to overflowing with an inexpressible joy. Well, that reality is a far cry from what many people experience. Even people that have everything that you think might make for happiness in this world. And we've uh, lifted up the example of King Solomon. Uh, you know, he had everything that uh, this world could offer. Money, sex, power. There were no limitations on what he could take hold of for himself. And so he did. And yet at the end of his life, he would write these, uh, this lament. Uh, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. It was a chasing after the wind. And see, the truth is we can aim at the wrong things. And this series has been about uh, getting our target right, uh, aiming at those things that truly do bring us happiness and a sense of joy and well-being in life. Well, we've uh, used uh, this amazing letter of the Apostle Paul to his friends in Philippi. And uh, as we say each week, in just four chapters, Paul uses the word joy and rejoice 16 times. In fact, his uh, theme verse for the entire letter uh, would be uh, rejoice in the Lord. Uh, always, I will say it again, rejoice. And so it's uh, fitting that as we come to the end of this letter, uh, Paul would write these words, bringing us back to that focus that in Christ we can have a joy unspeakable. Uh, he says in chapter 4, uh, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last, and now he's uh, mentioning a gift, uh, kind of like a gift basket that his friends in Philippi had sent to him in his imprisonment. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you'd always been concerned. Apparently, there'd been a time lapse between uh, their communication with Paul. 
He said, you, you were always concerned for me, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I find myself in. And then he, he elaborates. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether I'm well-fed or I'm hungry, whether I'm living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Well, my message this weekend is called The Secret Power of Contentment. There is a secret power that comes with contentment. And maybe you're thinking, well, uh, contentment really wasn't on my list of needs to be happy. In fact, uh, I failed to see the power, the secret power of contentment. Well, there are many voices throughout history that would disagree with that perspective. Uh, this one uh, was uh, uh, taken from a letter uh, penned by a man who was born in 8200 uh, to a well-to-do family. His name was Thascius of Carthage. There's a name, Thascius of Carthage. He was classically educated. He was wealthy. He was a lawyer. He was a public speaker, but he was not a man of faith. And listen to these words he writes to his friend Donatus. Uh, it's a bad world out there, Donatus, an incredibly bad world. But I have discovered in the midst of it a quiet and holy people who have learned a great secret. They have found a joy which is a thousand times better than any pleasure of our sinful life. They are despised and persecuted, but they apparently care not. They are masters of their souls. They have overcome the world. These people, Donatus, are the Christians. Isn't that amazing? Uh, this man who had so much uh, looked upon these people who had so little, but they had faith in Christ and uh, in his own words. They seemed to be masters of their own souls. They had overcome the world with all of its ups and downs, and they seemed to have found a secret that was a key to happiness. Uh, the ancient Stoic philosophers would say it more succinctly. Uh, this is a quote from Epictetus, a Greek Stoic philosopher. He said this, fortify yourselves with contentment, for this is an impregnable fortress. Uh, see, those who leaned into life and looked at the vicissitudes and the ups and downs and the complexities learned the secret that if we'll, if we'll uh, take hold of contentment, if we'll uh, fortify ourselves with this uh, sense of being okay, that it will become an impenetrable fortress around our lives. Uh, this is how the Apostle Paul would uh, point to the same virtue. He says in uh, his letter to Timothy, there is great gain in godliness with contentment. Uh, so somehow this, this secret power, this virtue of being content in whatever circumstance we find ourselves in is a great strength is a great uh, uh, asset to do life in and lends itself to true and lasting happiness. You know, the word itself in the Greek, it, it primarily signifies to be sufficient, to have a sufficient strength, to be strong enough, 
for a certain thing or a task uh, to be satisfied, content with, with our wages, with our food, with our clothing, uh, with such things as we have. Now see, the key words there are enough and sufficient that we are adequate. Who we are, what we experience is more than enough. And uh, Paul's wisdom would underscore that truth. He says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty, and I've learned this secret, that I can be content in every, in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry. Uh, when I read those words, well-fed or hungry, uh, I flashed back to when I had the opportunity to travel to India. And we were two weeks into our trip. We traveled by train into the central uh, part of India and made our way back to Mumbai. And we were flying from Mumbai to the uh, eastern side of the country. And on that flight, uh, they began to serve the in-flight meals. And, uh, you know, the little uh, airplane diner food. And uh, this looked rather spicy, smelled good. Uh, but I thought to myself, you know, on this flight, I think I'll go without. And uh, as we got into the flight and I saw a number of my travel companions get up and wait in line to get into the restroom, I thought as I sat there in my seat, without any food, uh, just my bottled water, a cup of coffee, and a good book to read. I was quite content uh, to not be well fed. Uh, but the truth is, according to Paul, contentment is bigger than that. It's more than just the denial of a meal or being able to do without certain things. It's, it's a way of doing life. It's a way of approaching every situation in life uh, that we don't have to have a a mandated set of outcomes. We don't have a great list of expectations. We're much more able to step into what is and make the most of it. This is the value of contentment. Uh, I was thinking of my youngest son uh, when he graduated from college, worked a job for a few years, did a little bit of traveling. Uh, he found himself uh, living in Seattle and kind of bored with life. And so he thought, I think I need to travel some more. And he got involved with uh, teaching English as a second language program uh, targeted to go to South Korea. And in his uh, thinking, he was going to end up somewhere either in the city of Seoul or one of the suburbs of Seoul. Well, quite to the contrary, uh, he was deployed into a, an area in the mountains of Korea known as Gohan. And uh, it was a coal mining area. Uh, but the coal mines had shut down a few years ago, and now it was just an economically depressed area as they tried to transition into a, a recreational mindset. And uh, so my wife and I, after he had lived there for uh, almost two years, went over to see him. And uh, as we traveled to Gohan, this coal mining town in the mountains of South Korea, uh, and literally, you, you look it up on Google, and it says, Gohan is a railway station in Gangwon. A railway station in Gangwon. Well, we traveled there, and my son met us at the railway station. And uh, to be honest, it was a dreary day. It was a cold day. It was a rainy day. And uh, we walked not far from the railroad station to a, a dreary-looking building, uh, painted not so well, made the way up a couple of flights of stairs to his room, and uh, there were his very humble digs. Uh, he slept on the floor, had a little mat, and uh, he was kind of explaining his lifestyle to us. And he, he, he made this comment, 
and then he buys a whole chicken once a week. And that chicken provides a week's worth of food. You know, day one and two, it's a lot of uh, choice meat. Uh, day three and four, he's getting down to the, the less choice parts of it. And day uh, four through seven, he's eating broth and things that he can dump in there to make a meal of it. Uh, but uh, as we visited with him, uh, he took us for a walk across the creek, up to the hillside where the school was that he taught at. And uh, as we walked the hallways of that empty school, school was not in session. There were a number of students there. Uh, I was literally taken back by the, the joy that came to the faces of these students when they saw my son. And the same was true of his colleagues, some of the other teachers that were there on campus. And uh, they, they took us to the, the, uh, the teacher's lounge. They treated us with uh, Korean goodies, uh, served us coffee and tea. And uh, it began to dawn on me in these very humble settings, uh, not what my son expected at all. He was genuinely happy. In fact, he was, he, he was overflowing with happiness. And I, I realized something. He was learning the secret of contentment, that it wasn't about a, a pre-written script. It wasn't about a sec, set of expectations that had to be met. It was about learning that in any and every situation, you could be enough. Uh, what you had was enough. The relationships you had were enough. The home, the clothing, the food. And so uh, as Paul does in his letter to the Philippians, he grabs these virtues that lend themselves towards a real sense of well-being. And he infuses them with the living power of Jesus Christ. And he does the same with this, this uh, attitude of contentment. He brings Jesus into the center of it. In fact, uh, here's, a, here's a neat little fact. In uh, 104 verses in Paul's letter to the Philippians, Paul mentions Jesus 40 times. In 104 verses, Christ comes into the conversation 40 times. And what's he saying? That uh, Christ is the very center and the core of our pursuit of happiness. And not surprising, uh, Christ is the source of Paul's contentment. Uh, Philippians 4, verse 13, uh, here's what Paul says, I've learned the secret power of contentment, and here it is, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I can do all things through Jesus who gives me strength. You know, for Paul, that was something he learned. Uh, it didn't come to him the moment he began to believe in the risen Lord Jesus. It came through uh, going through challenges going through difficulties, learning that when all he had to stand on was Christ, that Christ was enough. In fact, uh, listen to Paul's words on one of these occasions where life seemed overwhelming. Uh, he says, uh, we do not want you to be informed, brothers and sisters, about the trouble that we experienced in Gohan. Well, I mean the province of Asia. We were under great pressure. We were far beyond our ability to endure. You ever felt that way? Maybe you're feeling that way now. You're under great pressure and you feel like you don't have the resources to cope and to get through it. And uh, Paul says, we were beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. We felt like giving up. We felt like life had dealt us a bad hand and we wanted to cash it in. Uh, indeed, 
Paul goes on, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but now hear the purpose in this. But this happened. We went through this. We came to the end of our rope so that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. See, uh, here's where, this is the crucible. This is the furnace where uh, you learn that you're not in it alone, that Christ is with you. And Paul is saying there's no other way we can stop relying on our own resources, our own abilities, our own strategies, and we can step on to that pathway of relying on Jesus Christ. You know, I was uh, reminded of a documentary I saw on the church in China. And uh, for much of uh, recent history, modern history, uh, communism has oppressed faith and especially the Christian faith. And this documentary was on how uh, the church is thriving, the underground church, the house churches. In fact, uh, millions upon millions, tens of millions, and even into the hundred millions of Christ followers are, are coming to faith. People are coming to faith uh, through this underground church movement. And one of the things that came out again and again and again as you watch this documentary, uh, the message of Jesus wasn't happening through programs, through uh, TV shows, through uh, large crusades. It was happening person to person. And their, their testimony, their message was very simple. Are you going through it? Do you need help? Does your marriage need help? Are your finances out of control? Are you overrun with anxiety? Call on Jesus. He will come to you. He will help you. Call on the name of Jesus. And that simple declaration was allowing uh, life and hope to multiply through these followers of Jesus Christ. Well, Paul is saying uh, he learned that. He learned that when he went through life's most difficult times, that Christ's strength would supply him with everything that he needed, whether he had plenty or he had little, whether he was totally lacking in resources or God had supplied more than what he needed. See, uh, here's the truth. Uh, when we lean into Jesus, uh, he is content. He modeled contentment. He taught contentment. And uh, when we draw close to him, he teaches us. It's that secret uh, power of contentment, and he's, uh, he's always looking for opportunities to uh, get us on more stable values. You know, when you look at the life of Jesus, uh, apparently there were a lot of things that Jesus did not need to be happy. Uh, he didn't need a lot of money. He didn't need to come from an elite uh, family. He didn't need higher education. He didn't need an impressive resume. Uh, he apparently uh, didn't think much of having the right connections. He was always accused of hanging out with uh, tax collectors and sinners. Uh, he didn't need expensive food. In fact, uh, it could be inferred by things that Jesus said that he didn't even need a home or place to sleep. He said, foxes have dens, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Well, the point is this. Uh, though Jesus had very little of what we would think we need to make us happy and content, he had an overflowing joy. He was so genuinely happy that children clung to him. His joy was so real 
that uh, wealthy people gave up everything in order to follow him and find what it is he had. And when they did that, here's what they discovered. What you have in Christ is greater than anything you don't have in life. What we have in Jesus Christ, in God revealed to us, God with us, living in us, bringing about God's perfect will through us, is better than anything that we don't have in life. His provision is enough for all of our physical needs. This is what he tried to teach in the great, greatest sermon of all, the Sermon on the Mount. He said, why are you anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will wear? You know, Look at the birds of the air. Look at the flowers of the field. God knows that you need all these things, but if you put him first, if you set your hope on him, you'll discover that you have everything you need. You'll discover the power of being content with who you are and what you have. His presence is sufficient for all of our needs. You know, uh, this is a truth. Our anxiety decreases as our understanding of Jesus increases. I hear those words again. Our anxiety decreases as our understanding of Jesus increases. And uh, Paul would say this, uh, you'll learn that if you lean into him in the furnaces of life. And so as he comes to the end of this letter about joy, this letter that's all about happiness, overflowing, a sense of well-being, uh, here's the truth he leaves us with when you're in Christ. You can be okay even when life is not okay. Uh, what, a, what a guarantee, what a promise, what a hope that we can take hold of today. We can be okay even when life is not okay. When your resources don't seem sufficient, when your relationships are inadequate, your God is more than enough. Uh, you know, uh, I saw this uh, living example of this recently on a show called America's Got Talent. How many of you watch that show? Go ahead, admit it. You know, I think Jesus might even watch some of the episodes. I'm sure some of them, he would say, let's go do something else. But this particular one, uh, a woman took to the stage, and uh, the thing you noticed right away is uh, she'd been going through a really hard time. She was rail thin and uh, looked like she'd been in treatment for something. And so uh, they began to... Uh, ask her, what, what are you going to do for us uh, today? And she said, I'm going to sing a song called It's Okay. And they kind of looked at one another and laughed. It's okay. It's okay. And uh, so one of the uh, judges asked her, well, what do you do in life? What do you do for work? And she said, well, the last few years, I really haven't worked. I've been battling cancer, which, you know, all the judges kind of look sympathetic at that point. And, uh, but she said, it's okay, it's okay. And uh, well, they said, well, how are you doing now? You know, if you've gone through all this treatment. And she uh, disclosed, she said, well, my last checkup, uh, I had some cancer in my lungs and in my spine and on my liver, uh, to which, you know, understandably so, they all looked uh, very sad and remorseful. But she said, it's okay, it's okay. And uh, in fact, and then she laid this truth on them. She said, um, I decided, why should I wait until life is good to be happy? What a profound statement. Why should I wait 
until, uh, you know, my, my if only this would happen list comes about. Why should I wait for those things to be happy when God offers me happiness today? And he says, you know, wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, uh, you can trust that I'm in that with you and I can give you the strength you need to be content in that situation. I love this uh, prophetic vision uh, from the Old Testament book of Habakkuk in a time when things were not okay in Israel. Uh, life was not okay. Things were not going well. They weren't experiencing the abundance of God. And here's what Habakkuk writes. He says, though the fig tree does not bud, and though there are no grapes on the vine, and though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls. You know, he's describing about every fail that could possibly happen on their wish list. And basically he's saying, look, if none of those things happen, if, if nothing comes about as I wished and hoped it would, this amazing declaration, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. And we can say, uh, I can be joyful in Jesus Christ. Because when I come to those places where he's all I have, I realize that he's all I need. You know, before we uh, close with a prayer, and not only this teaching this weekend, but this series, I want to take you back to uh, a, a slide we've looked at numerous times. And it's, uh, it's what we call happiness essentials. And uh, these are a list of essential ingredients for happiness that a lot of people agree on. Researchers, uh, therapists, theologians, the writers of the Bible, and the teachings of Jesus all agree and line up that these are the things that truly make humans happy. Having a mission in life that is bigger than yourself, having a positive view of your personal story or narrative, the ability to find value in life's sufferings and difficulties and meaningful connections to God and others. Well, here's what Paul's contention uh, through his letter to his friends and to us, would say that when we put Jesus in our relationship with him at the center of our world, that all of these happiness essentials become infused with greater meaning. Uh, and when we uh, apply the secret power of contentment, hear this, when we open up to the secret power of contentment that Christ is more than enough in any circumstance we happen to find ourselves in. We open ourselves up to every one of these happiness essentials. In fact, I want, I want you to see that slide again. Uh, when we open up to the power of contentment, we, we, we become available uh, to a mission and a purpose to reach others with the hope of Christ that is greater than ourselves. Uh, when we're content with who we are and what we have and what circumstance we find ourselves in life, uh, we, we allow God to help us write a good story, good endings, uh, turning all things together for good. When we bring a sense of contentment uh, into our difficulties, into our sufferings, uh, God shows us the value and the meaning that he's using those to enlarge our capacity to know him and to share his life with others. And finally, when we bring contentment into our relationships, 
We're able to need people without being needy people. We're able to have relationships without filling them with demands and expectations. All of these uh, come into our lives when we discover the secret power of contentment. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father, thank you for the beauty of your word. Uh, thank you for your heart for people, uh, Father God. Uh, thank you that you care about our well-being. Uh, thank you that there's not a day that goes by that you don't long for us to know the secret uh, of contentment and happiness. And uh, Lord, I would just pray right now, uh, wherever uh, people are at, uh, whatever we're going through, whatever circumstance uh, people find themselves in, God, whether they're suffering, uh, whether relationships aren't going the way they had hoped, uh, whether their jobs are uh, not panning out the way that they had dreamed they would, Lord, whatever circumstance of difficulty, whether we have plenty and have lost the meaning in those things or we don't have enough and we're wondering where, how we're going to make ends meet, Lord, may we find you. May we, as the Apostle Paul declared, learn that uh, I can do all things through the living Christ who strengthens me. And Lord Jesus, thank you for your presence right now. Uh, thank you that uh, you said your sheep hear your voice. Uh, we can hear you whispering to our hearts right now, wherever we're at, whatever we're going through. We may be in a, a foreign country uh, in an environment we never dreamed we'd find ourselves in difficult, uh, challenging circumstance. Lord, you're with us there. And we can, we can find that uh, a little is more than enough because you're there with us. And if you're hearing these words and you've never opened your heart to the living presence of Jesus, but there's something in you now that says, I want that, I need that. Uh, let me agree with you. You could pray these words out loud. Pray them in your heart, Lord Jesus. Thank you for what I've heard about you today. Uh, I want to call upon you. In fact, I need you. Uh, it, like I heard of those people in China, uh, when they called on you, you came, you helped them, you delivered them. Lord, I need that. And so I'm asking you to come into my circumstance, come into my life, uh, forgive me of my sins. I believe you are the son of God. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead and I sense your presence now and I want to begin a journey of responding to you, following you, and finding that power of being content in any and all circumstance that comes with a life that's centered on you, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.